So I'm just going to go ahead and kick us off and introduce myself and then have our guest introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her. But my name is Erica Jordan Thomas. I am founder and CEO of EJT Consulting LLC, as well as a program called Get Launch Consulting. And so I'm a former teacher, former principal, current doctoral student at Harvard Graduate School of Education, <laughs> and I help educators launch their consulting businesses. So we are this week having a series of conversations with different educators who have gone through my program and launched their consulting business. And I'm so excited to have an opportunity to talk to Philanda Johnson Yay. tonight. Y'all show Philanda some love in the chat. Say, hey, show her some love. <laughs> And I'm so excited for y'all to learn about her, her story, and her business. So we're going to jump into it. And as we have our, our conversation tonight, if you all have any questions, go ahead and just drop those into the chat. I'm going to monitor the chat so that way we can get those answered for you. But I'm super excited. So, Belanda, tell us about your, your like all of your life. I mean, not all of your life. You ain't got to tell all your business, but... Give us a little bit of your your story. Kind of just give us an overview. I use the term education movie trailer a lot just as a way to to learn about people's story, leadership story. So give us your, your education movie trailer. Where did, how did you get into education? Where have you been and where you are now? Yes. Well, first, Coach, I'm just so grateful to be here today. What a beautiful way to, to kick off the new year. So thank you for having me. So hello, everyone. I am Philanda Johnson. I'm so excited to be here today. I am the founder and CEO of Philanda Johnson Consulting, which is a leadership boutique firm focused on <laughs> focus on serving black women who are aspiring and current school leaders and district leaders. So I'm excited to tell you a little bit about my business, about myself. My journey, where do I start? I always love this question. And so I love to start with the fact that I was born to two folks who were who met in basic training in the army which enabled, I know you didn't know that coach, no, <laughs> which, enabled, which enabled me to really live all over the United mm. States, was able to live abroad. And as a kid, I always wanted to be a lawyer. That was something that was a dream of mine. Fast forward to my senior year in college, I did this program, which I thought was going to be an opportunity for me to make my law school resume even more competitive. It was a Teach for America light program. I did the program and Erica fell in love with teaching. I had the opportunity to teach little kindergarten, which is my heart. Oh, um, <laughs> little people. I'm a little people teacher and principal forever. forever it makes ever, so ever, much ever, sense. Ever. Oh my goodness. It makes so much sense. <laughs> and so I did Teach for America in Houston. I was a 2005 Houston core member where I taught pre-K four. So the little itty bitty bitties mm-hmm. and loved it. Found myself needing to relocate back to DC where I went to undergrad. Was able to join the founding staff of KIPP DC. I don't know if there are any KIPP DC folks who are either joining live or who will watch the, the recording of it, but joined KIPP DC in 2007 and was as a pre K teacher, as a founding teacher at one of our schools. And then was asked to open up my own school. And so I became a principal at 24, Erica, which is crazy, and a blessing 
And I did that, founded my school and ran that for nine years. And while there, I received my master's degree in leadership and really found a love for leadership and for coaching and specifically for coaching women was something that I was really passionate about. About four years now, I now claim Oakland, California. Uh, hey. so like I was always meant to be a Cali girl. Mm. And so live in California right now, where I still work for KIPP. And now my role is managing principals. And so that has been an, an exciting challenge to stretch me. And over the past, my, my, my time and tenure at KIPP, I've, I've always have coached. I've coached now for about seven years or so, and then decided to, to open my, my business. But long story short, educational journey is teaching mm-hmm. uh, and brought me to being a principal and an experience that I thought was going to be my break before law school became something that's been my, my life purpose and journey. Oh, wow. Wow. You have... Someone who's showing you Kip Love in the chat as someone who yes. used to work, they said Kip Houston. <laughs> it, I just find it so fascinating to know that your story started in early childhood and kindergarten because I just I just believe that like there are certain characteristics of people who teach at different levels. Like I feel uh-huh. like anytime I meet someone, I can predict I'm like, okay, you middle school or like, okay, you <laughs> high school. And like to hear you say pre-K and kindergarten, I'm like, oh my God, that makes so much sense because you just like exude warmth and just love and just nurturing and community. Oh, that makes so much sense. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to hear you talk about your business. And, and there's some questions that we got on social media that I think are going to be really interesting for you to talk about. And, and so we'll, we'll get there. But first, tell us about your business because you were starting to, to talk about it, but share with us what problem is your business solving and who would you identify as your target client? Yes. So the problem that my business, Philanda Johnson Consulting, is solving is the challenge that currently exists as it relates to the number of Black women who are school leader principals in the United States. And that, that's the problem. And that's what I'm really seeking to, to, to solve through providing powerful leadership coaching to Black women who are aspiring or current principals or district leaders. Having been in that role myself, I, I know what it was like. And you were a principal too, Erica, so you, are, you also know, right? Mm-hmm. It often feels isolating. It often feels lonely. Yeah. And often there aren't people that look like you. Mm-hmm. And I think the principal role is already an isolating role in general. And then when you add in the interlocking identities and oppressions that come with being a Black woman in that role, you need someone who's who sees you, who knows you, mm-hmm. your experience, who can who can lift you high, who can inspire you, who can motivate you, and who can help you along the journey towards becoming your very best leader, your very best person while doing work on behalf of children and families and communities. And then someone that can coach you through that so that you remember not to lose yourself in the process. And Mm. so the intention of Alonda Johnson Consulting is just to do that, to be a, 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 boutique firm with a very clear, specific intention and goal of focusing on Black women. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my business in a nutshell. It's oh, kind yes. of been a process coming to me being very clear about my niche. And it's been a mm-hmm. process, but it's been something that I got clarity on coming from your program. 
um, and, and, and doing the coursework and really getting clear. You had us do the activity. I don't know if you call it the receipts activity. That's what I call it in my brain, the receipts <laughs> activity. But getting really clear about your experience, your perspective, all that's brought you to this moment. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've been through so much in my, my leadership journey. And I believe I have the ability to impact any, any, any leader. And I'm really excited about providing my services and my skill set and my, my experiences and my journey to, to Black women to help them know mm-hmm. that you can do this and you can sustain in the role. It's something I'm really excited about doing in my business. Oh, so oh, you just said something that is so interesting. And I want to dig into more in terms of narrowing down or identifying your niche and that clarity that you have. But before we go there, yeah, tell us like why consulting? And so part of the the conversation that I do want to get to is you got like a job job. <laughs> like you coach principles. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, she not chilling at the house. I'm not, not chilling. Look, at the house. you got a job, job, and so <laughs> I, I mean, you're 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 nine to five, which you know someone asked about or submitted a question, which we'll get to that here in a, a moment. Of you are already having incredible impact at a system level in your current role, mm-hmm. and so what piqued your interest, or why did you decide to start exploring consulting? So two answers come come to mind. My first answer is entrepreneurship is in my blood. My great great granddaddy in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Come on, Monk's Monty. Corner. Come on. You oh, uh, and Charlemagne got the same hometown. And my Hello. has to see you. Come on, Monk's Corner. Okay. Great great granddaddy in Monk's Corner, South Kakalaki, saved up his money and bought a convenience store. My grandfather created a a special book press for like while he was on his job um, mm. doing uh, making books back in the fifties and the sixties. My mama and my daddy would my dad made computers from scratch. My mom would sew and sing and you know like all those things. So it's in my blood first and foremost. Mm. So I can't help but want to create. It's just something that is me. So that's first and foremost. And secondly, one of my core values, which I think is really important, and I, I don't want to go ahead to a future question, but I think it's it's important when thinking about this work is to be really clear about your core values. And one of my core values is innovation. And I believe in innovating. And I know that I am my most happiest. I am working in my highest level of flow when mm-hmm. I am innovating and creating. And it's true. I'm able to have a, a huge amount of impact in my day job and I'm grateful. And there's boundaries to that. There's a level of wing clipping to that. It just, mm-hmm. it just is because it's not yours fully, right? Mm-hmm. And so the ability to have my own and to, to dream up things and to innovate and make it happen, that's, that's, that's what's brought me to this journey. Mm. Oh, so two things that I like feel in my spirit. So for those of y'all who don't know me who are in the chat, like 
I verbal like ad libs are a part of my personality and who I am. So just like, oh my goodness, I feel that. And you talking about the legacy of entrepreneurship in your family, mm-hmm. and part of why that so deeply resonates for me. And I think I think we may have talked about this. And I may have shared it, but one of the pieces of mind trust which we talk about in the program that I really struggled with was calling myself an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. for me. I didn't grow up with that language and hearing what you were saying around the legacy of entrepreneurship in your family. And I was also listening to an episode of how they built this, a podcast around the stories of different entrepreneurs and an entrepreneur who was a black woman, runs a, a billionaire, a billion dollar staffing agency, Catherine Howard. Oh, I'm I'm getting ready to mess up her name, but it's an amazing episode. Um, And she was talking about how she saw entrepreneurship in her family, similar to you, because Mm -hmm. her mother would would provide meals for the community Mm -hmm. and she would, you know, sell meals and on a donating basis, but she would sell meals to the community. And so just the way that this opportunity that we have to be able to redefine entrepreneurship of solving community problems helps give clarity for so many people who might be already excluding themselves from the entrepreneurship conversation because they don't identify with the word that actually like our communities have been solving community problems for so long. And so to hear the way from the beginning and Mm -hmm. part of it was like, we had to, like it was survival. Mm -hmm. And so to hear about the way you talk about your family's legacy of how Mm -hmm. there's this history and legacy in your family of solving community problems is just really, really inspiring. So you were starting to talk about like of of narrowing down and finding your niche. Oh, someone just put, yes, Janice. I think I said Janice. Thank you so much. (laughs) Janice Bryant-Haroyd. Amazing podcast episode, amazing story for anybody listening. So thank you so much, Candice, for putting that in the chat. So Tell us about your process of narrowing down because I think that's that's a, that's one of the first steps and it's probably one of the hardest steps of defining the problem your business is solving. To, so talk to us of how did you realize that that the problem your business is solving was the problem that you wanted to take on? I think a couple of things. I think one. I joined your program knowing that I wanted to rebrand my business. I knew that I wanted to control all delete on the work I have been had been doing. When I first started doing this work, I was just grateful to coach anybody. <laughs> like I just want to coach anybody. Come on, I'll coach you. Which is great. And then as I began to do even more trainings. As I began to do, like, I, I feel like one of my purposes on earth is to be a coach, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's how I operate in the world. And so as I began to do more and more coaching programs that encourage you to believe that coaching is not doing, coaching is being. And like, as I'm engaging in a coaching conversation with someone else, ideally I am modeling or, or. I, I should have gone through that that process that I am inviting another person to go through prior to inviting them to do that. Mm-hmm. And so as I went through those trainings, have coached women over the years and have told them and encouraged them to say, what's the work you would do even if you weren't paid to do it? Mm-hmm. What's the work you wake up like rent to do? <laughs> like, what's that work? 
And as I found myself asking those questions to more and more women over the years and more and more people that I've worked with over time, I started asking myself those questions. Again, I deeply believe a good coach can is, is able to reflect back those key questions they ask others to themselves. And it's constantly in this reflection loop around what's my purpose? What's my destiny? What's my divine responsibility on this earth? So as I began to ask myself those questions, as I began to say, what's the work that I just love to do? What's the work that that brought me to focusing on Black women? And my experience, especially over the past few years, as I began to say, I am a coach for Black women, like saying that out loud, I've seen the transformational impact on Black women and hearing them say, man, Philanda, I feel like when I work with you, I feel like I feel seen. I feel like I am supported in a way I never have before. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel close to the divine, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, it feels as though I have an opportunity to give what I didn't necessarily have the opportunity to receive when I was in the principal seat. And so it feels like a really blessed opportunity to give to other people. Mm. Was that a, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm ruminating on the word divine mm-hmm. because it's just a, that is such a special and powerful word. Mm-hmm. And I think about the level of internal clarity someone has to have in order to be present enough to know that something is divine and the level of, of clarity that that brings. And so like, how long did that take you? Was it something that happened? (laughs) And I know, I know you mentioned the rebranding of your business. Yeah. Kind of talked about a little bit. And so I just love for you to, to kind of share, and I know this is a super technical question and, and everybody has their own path in their story, but like, I think because there's a part of this that requires a little bit of patience and a little bit of like being still and being yeah. and, and being present. And so if you could just talk from a technical standpoint of like, like how long did that take? And if there was any particular actions or activities that you did or uh, things that helped you know, reflect that back for you, for anybody who might be in the same place of like, ah, how do I figure out which problem to pick? I love that. And coach, I got to grab my charger real quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so for folks who are, who are listening while Philanda is grabbing her charger, this is so great. I'm seeing all the comments that are coming in around just affirmation for those who are also in the place of trying to figure out the problem their business is solving. And so I'm glad that that's really helpful. If you have any questions during this time, drop those into the chat and I'll make sure that we get those answered for you because this time is to, to really be able to hear Philanda's story, to learn about her business. And it's my hope that as she's sharing her story, for those that are tuning in, particularly educators who are in, on that consulting journey, that you can take some gems from Philanda's story and her experience to be able to apply to your own journey. And so if there's questions you're wondering, no matter how big or small or technical they may be, drop them into the chat and we'll make sure that we get those answered. All right. Philanda, you, you good? All right. I'm back, coach. I am. All right. The folks who know me know my phone is always... My phone is always... make sure you charged up. <laughs> 
So can you tell me your, your question again, coach? Yeah. So if you could just talk to us around some of the technical pieces of, of being able to, to narrow down and get clear on the problem your business is solving. So specifically like how long did that process take you? And then if there were any specific actions you took that helped you get clear on that problem? <sighs> so many. Okay. So I, I've, I've, I, I, I personally love training programs for folks who know me. They joke and say, I'm always in somebody's class. I'm always in a class. I'm always <laughs> in the training. And so I've done quite a few training programs, coach training programs, business programs that ask the question, what's your mission? What's your purpose? Who are your ideal clients? And so over the years, I've done those activities with different iterations over the years. And so even when I look at my first business plan I wrote years ago, it's different, but there's still remnants of like mm. what my my business is now that's still that's so central. So I would say those activities that that require me to say what what's your ideal client and what's and 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 why they're your ideal client. One of the activities I love, we did this in your 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 program, and I did it in another another program when I wrote my book where we like personify that ideal client, give them a name, mm-hmm. put a picture to them. Like let's like imagine them. And when I did that specifically in your, your program, it was really powerful for me. Like I had, I gave her sister locks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I gave her, her name was like, you know, winter. Like I made her like, yes. right. And that, that really helped. I also would say another thing I did was really ground myself in the feedback that I've gotten over the years from people I've coached. So hearing and really anchoring in some of the feedback, positive feedback I've gotten around the impact of my coaching on folks was an additional helpful tool for me to say, huh, how does, like, what's my divine purpose? It's both like what I love to do, what I want to get paid to do, hello, and wanting it to be impactful. So kind of taking mm-hmm. those those pieces. And then lastly, what I would say is, you know, and I think you talked about this a bit, silencing out the noise to a certain extent. Like people mm-hmm. would say, oh, and I heard this from, from, from some folks, unfortunately, it's like, Oh, you want to niche down with black women? Why? And I have to mm-hmm. be like, first of all, <laughs> listen, right? so, let's not even talk about our believe black women, bet on black women, our on. purchasing power. Okay. But that's real. But that's real. So I, so it was also, it was like both being present enough to pick up on what messages I was getting from those around me while also when I do this in my life in general, like come to a point to where I make the decision to stop taking in other, other people's feedback and insight and then making a decision for myself. And it comes to a point where it's like, okay, enough. <laughs> There's enough feedback loops at this point. Now it's, I have enough input. How do I make a decision grounded in what I know about me? So that's what I would say it's been my process. Oh, that's so interesting. I love this, this piece that you're naming here of, 
you're almost indirectly talking about some of the mindset work that you had to do. Mm -hmm. And I want to go deeper there because something that you just said around making strategic decisions around who you talk to around your business Mm -hmm. is important. And so I was in a conversation a couple of, of days ago, I believe it was a clubhouse room, and someone was mentioning the sometimes as entrepreneurs, we'll share our ideas with friends or families or people in our circle. And we're actually not looking for feedback. We're looking for affirmation. And mm-hmm. so there's that that mind trash piece of just like not being confident enough in ourselves or or self-assured to be able to just go after it. Like we throw the idea out, not really looking for feedback, but looking for affirmation that this is a good idea and I should go after it. We're questioning ourselves. And so you were starting to name some of the mindset work and would love for you to talk a little bit more and just maybe tell us like, what are one or two mindsets that you've you've conquered in your entrepreneurial journey or could still be working through? What would you say would be those one to two mindsets? Ooh. That is, I would say that is something that is an ongoing challenge. So I think, where do I start? <laughs> I think, um, you know, I, I think like folks can might see, like I'm big on, you see my vision board back there. You see my like aspirational, like inspirational poster back there. I'm really big on affirmations because I know that if my mind is, 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 focus on the right thing like anything is possible legit like I I Mm -hmm. for real believe that Mm -hmm. um it's evidence when I look at my life I would say a couple of things that are mind trash that I struggle with and it's aligned to I did the uh IPET Institute for Professional Excellence and Coaching's year-long coach training program about two years ago and they're like mind trash they call them gales which stands for gremlins assumptions, interpretations, limiting beliefs. So when I think about this idea of mind trash, I think about it in those categories. Mm -hmm. And so my gremlin, my inner critic is, oh, girl, what makes you think you have done enough, know enough to even start a business, to even coach Black women principals, district leaders? Like, What makes you think you are good enough to do that? So that's one kind of gremlin that comes up. Another limited, that moving to limiting belief there is just around, you know, you you, sh- you shared earlier, I have like a job job. I got a job job. I'm also <laughs> a second year doctoral student and just, I have a life too, right? And there's a lot of yeah. things I want to do. And so the limiting belief that I have to navigate is this idea of like scarcity related to time and to money. And so really anchoring in affirmations really um and honestly one of one of my intentions for this year resolution intention is to related to mental and emotional wellness is to really make sure i'm putting my mind in check and my word this year is focused because i i know again that my mind is is sitting on ready for the with the right intention in mind anything is possible but I would say to summarize, it's really been around like, who am I to do this work that inner, inner critic, inner gremlin, and then really overcoming scarcity and how that shows up in how I think about my time allocation, what I charge people, 
I recently upped my 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 rates. Like, wait a minute, come I, on. The same. Come on, get expensive. Let's get expensive. Come on. Like I don't, I don't been through many trainings. Like you, we're gonna like I, my 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 insight, my perspective is valuable. And then lastly, I would say I know you said two coach, but lastly, I think this piece too, as a black woman doing this work, I think an added piece is really addressing and navigating the societal messages about what it means to be a black woman in the world, black woman in education, black woman in leadership, black woman in entrepreneurship, this black woman in blank, and having to really both stay ready <laughs> for anything in the pop off and address it. And also really, I, I, I say this to myself and I tell this to people I work with, have your energetic force field always ready to, uh, to, to fight against anything that comes to distract, destroy your purpose, throw you off your game is something that has been really important because there's so many messages that aren't true about who we are what we do, what we're about. And I have found that I've had to battle that. I still do. And the benefit of me making this decision in my business, as well as, I, I wonder if you feel this way too, um, coach, in a doctoral program where you're engaging in literature, you're writing, you're constantly fighting imposter syndrome. You're mm-hmm. constantly having to tell yourself that you are enough and you are okay. And also, I, I'm, I'm finding power in reading these readings about Black children in education and the power of how Black women have changed systems. That's also really inspiring to me also to address the mind trash that comes up. Mm, that's so good. I love, you said it a couple of times and you were just saying it directly there. Like, what does it look like for us as, as people and specifically as Black women who are in leadership and entrepreneurship to create affirming spaces for ourselves and create affirmations for ourselves because the world is consistently trying to push us to the margins and to be more directly. They are trying to, to kill us mm-hmm. and we are still surviving. It makes me think of the Lucille Clifton poem, Won't You Celebrate With Me? And oh, and we're, you're, you're the poetry, you're the poetry. Won't you come and celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and failed? And so even just that poem, the affirmation of won't you come and celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. That level of just affirmation as a Black woman navigating this world is something that that reflects back to us of continuing to, to continue on through our journey. So I love you naming this affirmation. Um, there's a couple of technical questions that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get us to. I just want to name that for the folks who dropped them to know that I see that we're not going to forget them. We're going to get to that here in one moment. But Philanda, tell us about how you found your first client. What was that process like? And I know your your business has gone through some some iterations. And so talk to us around for this current iteration of your business, how you found your first client. It I, I don't know if this is the, I'm stuttering, but like the 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 answer is it was through someone I worked with years ago who found value in the work that I gave them. And they wanted me to coach them again and then recommended me to coach other, other, other leaders. And so 
I don't feel like that is a, like a super transformational answer besides like doing really good work and like word of mouth was, was the way that, that, that consulting contract in this new iteration of my business came about. Oh, I love this so much. And part of me is like running a little experiment just to be able to share with folks as we're having this conversation. And mm-hmm. I am asking everyone who I'm having the, these IG live conversations with how they found their first client, testing my hypothesis that everyone already knows their first client. And you're proving that hypothesis of, of your first client is already in your network. Yes. <laughs> and, and so we got a question on my IG post of like, well, how do you find your, your first client when you have a, when you don't feel like you have a small network of actually that's a limiting belief mm-hmm. of actually you have a, a network that is, is rich with opportunities that if you do some, if you are very intentional and build a strategy of to mining your network and communicating your business and your value, that actually there are people right now that are waiting to take advantage of your business. They just don't know that your business exists yet because they've worked with you in the past. They know how dope and how bomb you are. And the moment they find out that you are are solving the problem that you have already solved for them in the past, but it's still coming up for them, they are going to be ready to go after your business. And yeah. so I, I just love, love you you reflecting back and affirming that we already know our first client, which is which is so great. So tell us what's been most rewarding and what's been the hardest part of this journey. What's been most rewarding? So many things top two things for me, I think one, being able to coach women multiple years and seeing their growth and evolution as a leader and seeing folks written feedback, naming the impact of our coaching work together. And for me, like I see coaching as, you know, I'm not, Yes, there might be transactional things we're we're talking about initially in a conversation, but often there's something at the center, something core, something about a person's being that is actually like needing to be navigated that comes up in coaching conversations. And so I, I, I feel most rewarded when folks name that the impact of coaching is how it makes them feel more confident. Or how it's made them realize the importance of self-care and creating boundaries. Or how it's enabled them to say, I'm going to get me a squad. And I'm that, that squad is going to include my sister friend I talked to, my therapist, somebody's going to do my mm-hmm. hair. You know, like, so, mm-hmm. those, so those pieces, because again, having been a school leader and a principal, having experienced that, it feels isolating. You feel alone. You feel what often ends up being true is that uh, school leaders in general and the black ones specifically like don't necessarily take really good care of themselves while they're in that role. And mm-hmm. so to hear black women that I've worked with stamp that they're prioritizing themselves and my belief that when a black woman takes care of herself, how like the ripple effect of that in the community and everybody that they're touching <laughs> and everybody that they touch it's like the legacy of that, right? So that's one thing that's super rewarding. I also just think about, you know, over the years having coached lots of different people 
it's interesting to see the connections of the people that I coach. They're like, oh, Florida coach too? Oh, she coached Like, that's really funny mm-hmm. to me. And seeing folks just kind of be throughout the United States, that's, that's really makes me feel grateful for having been a school leader, having went through those challenges and then making the decision to create create this business to, to have have this this touch that I'm having. So those are the things that are rewarding. What was the second part of the question, Coach? Uh, what's what's been most challenging? Yeah. The, the, because I think I think entrepreneurship can be glamorized a little bit. And 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 there are there are some there are things about entrepreneurship. So my my the way I see and hold entrepreneurship is is freedom mm-hmm. and ownership. And I think um, we don't always talk about the what it the hard part and the obstacles of going after your freedom, <laughs> of creating your own freedom, of what is it? What are the 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 bumps that you have to to overcome when you are going after your own freedom and creating ownership. Because the more we talk about those, the more they will be, the more we expect them and we will therefore not be thrown off by them when they happen. So I remember a quote that said, disappointment is when reality doesn't meet expectations. Uh-huh. And so the more we talk about the the bumps, the hard parts, the obstacles in entrepreneurship, we begin to shift our expectations and that doesn't shift our dreams. It just shifts what we're expecting. So that way when it happens, it's like, I see you and I got you. I'm going to go ahead and run through you or run around you because this is, listen, I got a destiny. I got a purpose. I got Come something on. I'm going after, but I see you. I see you. And I'm not, I'm not, I might stumble. I might trip. You know, I might be shaking I up might- a little bit. I might cry, but I'm I'm coming through you around you. So talk to us a little bit about what's been hard about the journey. Two things come to mind. Two two things first. Time and what I named earlier. There's 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 a finite amount of time, and then one can have a trash belief about time and a scarcity of time. So those things coupled mm-hmm. together is trash. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right? And so I think I've really have had to navigate how to balance the things, how to balance work and friends and being in in a, a partnership and needing to lay down and rest and being in this I've had to really manage that and I haven't always done that well. Mm-hmm. And it, there's been times when I ran myself in the ground trying to do all the things and be all the things for 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 everybody. So I would say that's that's one thing. And I second thing I would say is imposter syndrome. And I, I went to a training this summer. It was it was led by Kip and some amazing work Candace Rogers did with Kip. And it brought together black women. They brought together black women principals and brought, brought together black women district leaders. We just talked for the whole day about what it meant to be a black woman doing this work. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things we talked about is imposter syndrome and how imposter syndrome is a lie and how it's based on uh, white maleness as a model that is never attainable. And really being able to see this idea of imposter syndrome as a lie and something Ooh. that we need to just tear down 
stand, not seek, and realize when we're feeling not enough or, or, or whatever, that, that it's really the imposter syndrome. So I find myself struggling with that. That, that is something that I, that I really struggle with and have to navigate and, and just fear. And I'm grateful for people who forgot what Brene Brown calls it, but I think she might have called it a circle. Like I got like you gotta have the circle of people that when I need personally coaching around my time scarcity mindset yeah. or my imposter syndrome or fear around certain doing certain things, they call me on it and and hold space for me and remind me of my purpose and my greatness. And I'm grateful for that. But those are the things that that tend to be really, really challenging. And and to combat that, I try to have my affirmations around. I got my big old whiteboard where I post things, I post my values. Like I try to make my space reflective of the mindset I want to consistently have that I'm aspiring to. Like even on my planner, the front cover, I have like my goals, little like life wheel there and my dreams and how much I want to achieve in my business this year to try to keep that front front and center when I can get distracted around the hard parts about entrepreneurship. But those are the two main things for me, time and my mindset around time and imposter syndrome. Falanda, mm. mm. you're getting so much love in the chat right now uh, <laughs> of people who are giving you amen. Someone commented on my facial expression because I'm up here like, yes, girl, yes, you better preach. And they said we are commu- in a community with our facial expressions because they're doing the same. And I'm just sitting in so much that you said. And part of me, what I'm, I'm sitting in right now is because there's a part of me that I actually, I have an issue with a little bit of an issue with even the the terminology imposter syndrome of the words itself because it it makes people the problem rather than the system the problem. And so like it, it, it makes it seem as if it's an internal issue when actually we're all living in a racist, sexist system that is consistently trying to kill us and tell us that we can't have access to X. And so I I love this point that you are making of the fact that it, it, imposter syndrome is a lie and what it, the roots of what it is built uh, and what it's tied back to is centering whiteness and white maleness. uh, That's resonating with so many people in the chat. And uh, I love the fact that you brought that up because that's been something I've been thinking about so much is how oftentimes we're making ourselves the issue when actually it's the system uh, that we are are navigating out of survival, moving into thriving, but it's this uh, racist and sexist system and, and so many other isms that, that we are all actors in and, yeah. and unconsciously have been internalizing some of those messages, but it's the people that aren't the problem. It's the system that's the problem. Um, yes. And so... We got some some technical questions, so I'm going to scroll back up to those, and and then we're we're going to to wrap up. There, listen, this is a good way to start 2021 because 
folks in here talking about their vision board, talking about their words Let's for the year. Listen, this is <laughs> this is a good way to start 2021. <laughs> so we're going to hit these technical questions and then I'm going to close out with the advice that you have for for anyone who is an educator and they are beginning or on their consulting journey, but love for you to share some advice. So while you're thinking about that advice, I'm going to answer these two technical questions. And actually, I think it would be really great for you to answer one of them as well, because someone asked around uh, the startup cost Uh for your business. And so I, I have an opinion around startup costs, and there's also a similar, a different but similar kind of question that someone asks is, is it a good idea to create an LLC though you, you don't have your plan fully fleshed out? So I'm going to answer this first question, which is also going to share a little bit of my thoughts around the startup costs. And then, Philanda, I welcome you to share any thoughts you have too. So my personal opinion and stance around creating your LLC, so first off, LLCs require money, depending on your state, the fees are, are different. And my personal opinion is you should not spend money in your business when you do not yet have money coming in. And so LLCs, they, they require a fee. And if you do not have a, a, if you are not generating revenue, and I'm not even going to say consistent revenue, but if you are not yet generating revenue, I would strongly encourage you to hold on filing your LLC because you can file it at any time. And if you are, are, are early on in your business, the main benefit of an LLC is the tax benefits. And if you don't have revenue coming in just yet, you're not going to be able to fully leverage the benefits of an LLC. So I would encourage you to first begin bringing in revenue to have that pay for your LLC. So that way you are not coming out of pocket for your business. Your business can actually be funding your business expenses. And then in terms of startup costs, I think it's a really interesting question because I think different people have different definitions of the word startup. And I actually think that is how we can get in our own way is the way we define startup. So you can start now. So I paid $0 to start. (laughs) My start was having conversations with people who were actually education consultants and I wanted to pick their brain. And actually, I don't want to use pick your brain because I believe picking your brain shouldn't be free, but they were people I had relationships with, (laughs) deep relationships with. And so I, I arranged time to be able to learn from them. And that's how I got my first contract. I didn't have to spend money on a website. I didn't have to spend money you know, on, on branding and logo and all those things, those things are important, but I encourage deeply, deeply, like strongly encourage if you're in my program, say you can't do that yet, but because ain't nobody paying me, I'm going to say encourage to leave a little room to still do whatever you want to do in your business. But I would strongly encourage you to let your business pay for your business expenses because that can most certainly happen for you. And I would encourage you for you to think about it that way. Philanda, anything that you would add or comes to mind, either the LLC question or startup cost question? Yeah, the to guess to all the things you said, coach, and one thing I would say, because I had a similar thought in my head when I first started my business, and really what was at the center for me was the desire to be perfect this desire to appear a certain way externally to others. And I had to really like navigate that. 
And I don't, I'm going to butcher the quote, but this idea of, and it's something I, I realized, it's something I still work through. I don't like to launch something until it fully feels perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do this until I have this certification because I feel like this certification or this blah, blah, blah is going to legitimize me. Right. And so I think it's also saying I don't necessarily need somebody else or something to say, you know, my work is impactful. Like I can I can like myself in that regard. So I I just would encourage the person to one one. No, your thinking is common, very, very common yeah. thought. And secondly, to, to get really clear about why this is coming up for you and why why this tension might be there and to not delay. Because often we get in our own way because we want to be perfect, because we want people to see us as being this whatever. And it's just like, do it. Yeah. You know what? I, I love this so much. And someone just put in the chat of, of uh, showing gratitude for addressing perfectionism. Because, you know, one thing I, I, I share, you know, frequently in the program is everybody is in the position to bring in money in the next 30 days. So mm-hmm. what you going to do? Like, literally, what can you do in the next 30 days? to bring in money. The further you wait, the more you are losing money. And then the other thing that I think is interesting, and, and obviously this, this depends upon different people's, you know, professional situation, but sometimes, you know, having a job is a privilege. And oftentimes if we were to shift our thinking for those of us who have full-time roles, of if you lost your job tomorrow, what would you do? Like you start, you Hustle start hard. getting real clear. You start getting real clear on the need to have versus the nice to have. I'm like, do you need to have that animation? Do you need to be spending five, 10 hours in Canva designing, you know, social media posts? Do you need to do that? If you no listen, listen, you going to get real clear around the moves you need to make in order to start bringing money in the door. And that's the mindset that we need to have in our business to help deal with the perfectionism as someone who is a perfectionism myself, that sometimes I have to step back and I have to be like, all right, is this a $10 decision or a $10,000 decision? That's what my Come coach on. say. $10 or 10, like, is this a revenue generating task right now? Is this mm. going to bring money in the door? And if this is not a revenue generating task, no more than 15 minutes, 15 Ooh. minutes. And that's it. Because it might still have to get done. Because for real, for real, I could de- delegate it if I need to. But if it's urgent and I need to get it done, no more than 15 minutes. And then I got to go. Because to spend all my time on $10 tasks, when I could be spending my time on $10,000 tasks, like that's a part of the, the of managing the perfectionism, the strategy of managing the perfectionism and how we get in our own way. Because I saw a tweet that someone had posted on social media that said there are people who are mediocre and doing it wrong right now and they have no intentions of changing anything and they're making money. They are mediocre and wrong and have no intention of changing and they're making money. Meanwhile, those of us with gifts who have solved the problem and we have the blueprint for how, how we could be partnering with communities and we're leading from our values. Come we're on. sitting here trying to like put bells and whistles on things. So I can't launch yet. I can't do this yet. I got to do this other thing. And it's like, meanwhile, someone is losing out because you are waiting. Someone is losing 
If someone is dealing with a problem that you can help them solve and you are waiting and you are getting in your own way. So I'm so glad you brought that up of of the perfectionism. What advice do you have for anybody who is on this journey? And then, then we'll wrap up with hearing about what's the latest happenings in your business. Coach, I have to say what somebody said in the chat. It was like, let's go on past the collection plate for Deaconess Air. Because <laughs> you was preaching today. Listen, listen, we, listen, I, listen, for real, for real, we can slide in your cash app too. Because the way you talk about this perfectionism and the way you talking about imposter syndrome, you dropped some jewels tonight too. For real. Oh, man. Ooh, so I had to say that because you, 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 I felt like you were talking to me a little low key, high key, <laughs> high key low key. You, you know that's how church works. You Come just on. show up and then you like, it's a pastor Ooh, who been tapping my me? phone. <laughs> who been tapping my phone? Get out my business, but no, come in my business and read me. We gotta get out my business. Uh, oh man. So the advice. So I'll start here. Probably in the summertime, I started getting into, as my friend Sharice Brower says, the whole curriculum that is Black women. A whole mm. curriculum that mm. we are. Especially our authors, our poets, and just like anchoring in dope Black women poetry. And I found this poem, The Bridge Poem. I don't know if you, know if you ever read it, Coach. Mm-mm. The Bridge Poem. Donna Kate Wush, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name well. Uh, or accurately, it's from the book, The Bridge Called My Back. Mm. And this is this poem is what made me say, I need to niche. Now I'm going back to the question you, you said before. Like this poem made me say, I need to niche and, and support Black women. I'm going to give a summary and I'm going to tell a quote. The summary of the poem is just, and it's written in 1981. The poem talks about the experience of Black women as we engage in the world and what we need to do. And at the end of the poem, it's powerful. I'm going to read it aloud. And not only yes. is it an offering for Black women in general, it's an offering for all. So at the end of the poem, the author says, the bridge I must be is the bridge to my own power. I must translate my own fears mediate my own weaknesses. I must be the bridge to nowhere, but my true self, and then I will be useful. And this is a poem that I have, like I took it down off my wall behind me. It's a poem that I have nearby. My biggest advice is for folks to be a bridge to themselves first, and then a bridge to others second. I think the power of entrepreneurship is the fact that we are like, if you are doing work that's aligned to your values, which is what you teach us, right, in your course. If you're doing work that's aligned to your purpose, that's aligned to your receipts, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing good work. I think the beauty of entrepreneurship is that you are also able to achieve freedom, to be innovative, and also be a bridge home back to yourself. To create the world you've always wanted to create for yourself, for those who are your ideal clients, for your family. And so just encouraging people to be a bridge to themselves and anchoring in their power is my first advice. Second advice, do your class, do your course. (laughs) (laughs) 
profound and then to then the specific, but really do the work and get excited about the journey is is my is is my second advice, second piece of advice. And thirdly, to take it one day at a time. Mm. You are doing God's work. Seriously. <laughs> And I, I'm going to text you after this, but this is the third time I've heard the word bridge today. Come on. So I'm going to just, I'm going to text you afterwards, but this is the third time within 24 hours I've heard the word bridge. So you're doing God's work today, Not for, but folks and for me. And so I appreciate you and love you so much for the work that you are doing for yourself and for your community and other Black women. Tell folks how how they can connect with you and anything that's coming up in your business that you want to share. So let me grab my little binder. Hold on. So Okay, come on, binder. (laughs) So folks can stay connected to me on my Instagram, philanda.johnson.consulting. That is where I am. Definitely feel free to follow me, join me there. I'm really excited. Again, a piece that I am telling myself is to bring my gifts out. And so in this year, I am launching my course called Brand Netted. (laughs) And it's all about supporting Black women. It's my first course for my program. I'm really excited and nervous, but I'm doing it. Um, scared and doing it, believing in having the impact on others. It's time to have it come out. But it's all about helping Black women, aspiring and current school and district leaders create a powerful and magnetic brand so they can have the impact they want. And so again, follow me, philanda.johnson.consulting, and you can learn more about what I'm doing. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your time, for the conversation. You're getting so, there's so many affirmations in the chat. Y'all show some love for Philanda. Thank you for her time, her wisdom, her gifts. And I am so excited and almost sitting in a little bit of peace of the freedom you're creating. And like what what that's going to mean. You know, like that, there's like this feeling of peace that I have and almost like, feeling of, of, of overwhelmness a little bit, but in a good way mm. of just thinking about all of the possibilities of what it means when Black women are free, Ooh. because that's what you're doing in your business. And so I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for you. I'm so, I'm so glad that you are betting on yourself mm. um, and, and, and we need you in your business. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. Thank for you, folks coach. who are listening and you are, are feeling energized. You've got something from this conversation and the thought and idea of consulting that you came in with, you're feeling even more energy than before around that idea and dream. Philanda shared about my program, Get Launch Consulting, which supports educators and walks educators step-by-step through the process of launching their consulting business. So if you want to learn more about that, the link to that is also in my bio. So this was so, so good. So good. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much, Philanda. Be safe, be well. And um, you know, I'm forever in your corner and cheering and rooting you on. You're forever coaching. So (laughs) I'm saying goodbye, but it's like I'm about to text you. Okay. Bye.